Like you suggested earlier, you cannot replicate the office environment in a remote environment because they are not comparable. If you and I go out for lunch and we spend two hours together, that's very comfortable. That's fine. We have a nice lunch. But if I ask you for a two-hour Zoom meeting, that's really long and neither of us is going to really like that. Just that difference by itself, it defines the entire difference between the office and a remote organization and, and, and culture that you have to build. So you have to embrace it fully. And so you already mentioned like, always sitting in meetings, nobody wants that. But it's much easier in an office environment when there's much more leeway, you know, you're not that rigid within a computer, it's, it's much more acceptable to walk out, to take breaks, etc. In a remote environment, you have to think differently about that. That was remote CEO, Jo Vandervoort. And in this episode, I'm really excited to sit down with Joab and talk about Remote's incredible growth over the last two years. Uh, we're going to get into how he's building the company, how his experience at GitLab shaped his views on Remote, and so much more. So we'll be back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool powering fast-growing companies like Shopify, Rubrik, and Sneak. Automate messages across the employee journey so you never miss an opportunity and your employees are supported every step of the way. From onboarding to becoming a new manager and more, PIN helps companies communicate at scale. Go to pinhq.com for more information. That's pynhq.com. Reinvent communications for the distributed workforce. And now, onto the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Redefining HR Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt, and today I'm really excited to be joined by Joab Vandervoort. He is the CEO of Remote, and we're going to be talking about what he's building at Remote, kind of his career journey that led him to that role, and answer a lot of questions that I'm sure you viewers and listeners have around optimizing remote work structures. So, yo, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Um, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you start with a, a brief intro and background on you? Yeah, so as you said, I am um, CEO of Remote. I live in the Netherlands. Uh, I've been doing this. So I've been the CEO of Remote for like the last two and a half years. We founded the company in 2019. Before that, I was a VP of product at GitLab um, since its founding until I left to found Remote. And before that, uh, I was a scientist. I was a neuroscientist. So, and I did that for a number of years. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, neuroscientist to GitLab. How, how did that happen? What was that? What was that uh, transition like? I really loved science, and like, I lo- loved the subject that I was working on. We were studying how, how the brain processes information. But I found that the career of science is really slow and really rigid, and uh, luck is a massive factor in it and that bothered me in a lot of ways and so I left that to start my own startup which didn't go anywhere because I didn't have any money to feed myself after a few months and uh, I ended up working as a programmer there I met the then not yet but then future CEO of GitLab and he asked me to join him when he uh, he left to work on GitLab and so so I did so that that's how it's uh, it's one step to the other but I think in terms of like my education, originally I have a background, you know, I have a bachelor in, in psychology and then I did a master in neuroscience. So I don't know. I always like computers that helped, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And what was, uh, was GitLab your first uh, experience working remotely? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So interestingly, I, I did some remote work before, but it was more because I was doing IT work for the university. But interestingly, the job that I had right before GitLab, where I met Sid, the CEO of GitLab, 
I uh, traveled each day, each way, an hour and a half, if not more, by train to get to an office to work there as a programmer. And I sat there uh, the whole day in front of a screen programming and doing something that I could do from anywhere in the world, right? But they, they had an office culture and I had to be in the office. So I would get up really, really early, travel to the office and I would like to work. So I stayed until really late and then an hour and a half back with the train and, you know, that would go wrong very many times. And then I left to join GitLab. And so this was this massive shift of, of going through this pure office culture to a purely distributed remote company. And, you know, for one, it was a huge relief and, and, and secondarily, it... Uh, I didn't miss anything about the office, so it was a really good switch. What did you? I'm curious, like when you made that initial transition, right? So you're, you're used to having a horrendous commute, uh, you know, being in an office, staring at a screen, you know, in isolation. It sounds like in a lot of ways, you know, most of the day. Now you're at a at a new environment. You're you're remote. You have at a minimum three hours of commuting time back. Like, what was that initial? shift like from from a lifestyle perspective like setting aside you know the 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 work constructs but just from a lifestyle perspective what was that kind of initial uh transition like for you the way i always describe remote work is that it gives you so much freedom and that is what it felt like right like it's like this weight is lifted off of you because before the rigidity of office-based work doesn't just come from the fact that you have to be in an office, but it also comes from the fact that you have to be in an office between certain times. And I think this is the thing that I felt the most, that I went from a situation in which I had to fit my life in the weekends to a situation in which I could live my life and then I could work now and then. Then I would work a lot because I really like to work at GitLab, but you know, I would I would go to the gym in the middle of the day. Right. And that's something that was impossible in my office job. And not to say that those people wouldn't allow me to do that, but like it was far away from my house. So I would never go there to the gym. And that, that was just a small example, but one of the many, many little things that gave me so much more freedom. Yeah, that shift, it was massive. And as I said, like it felt really natural. It feels like the office based things feels really forced and it feels like it takes away a lot of my time and a lot of my flexibility. And so working remotely to me I always felt like oh, this is the obvious thing to do if you have no particular requirement of being in a particular location, which isn't the case if you work from a computer. Well, let's uh, let's kind of transition from, from GitLab to remote. So walk me through that that founding story. When did you have the idea for remote? When did you when did you know it was time for you to step out of a, a role that you you liked to, to build something new? When I joined GitLab, I told Sid, I said, well, my intention is to start my own business. So I have no plan to work for you for a long time. And so we had an agreement that would stay there for one year and that one year just turned into five because GitLab did so incredibly well. And you know, I obviously really like my job. And while at GitLab, I realized that the advantages of remote work and building a distributed team are so incredibly large. And, and the downside of it are almost zero. There were, there's almost no downsides. And so the one thing we struggled with is if we would hire someone in a country we never hired someone before, how do we make sure we pay them? How do we treat them as first-class citizens, uh, first-class employees, and how do we provide them benefits, etc.? And we never found a good solution for that. So we knew this had to be solved if all companies in the world were going to start working remotely or at least became, you know, truly distributed companies. So I was aware of this, this as an idea. And for many years, I had worked together with my co-founder Marcelo on like all sorts of projects. And I was working at GitLab for about five years and I felt like, well, GitLab is really stable now, right? Like you, you go really fast as a rocket ship company like that, but, and, and I led product there. And especially if you build a product, there's a certain moment where you start to mature the product where 
You know, you're not going to make a major overhaul of how it works or how it looks or nothing that you're going to do is going to make like a plus thousand percent change anymore. And I think that was a little bit the, the place we were at at GitLab, at least felt like that to me. I was very used to the job that I was doing and so I started to itch to start beginning my own thing. And I still had this idea and Marcelo and I, we already agreed we were going to do something together and things sort of worked itself out. Like it was, I was able to get the domain name remote.com. I was able to, you know, quit my job at the same time that Marcelo did. And that really led up to the, to the founding of remote. How'd you get the domain name? I, I would have thought around, you know, 2019-ish when you founded, that would, uh, that, that would have been a hard, uh, you know, hard URL to acquire. Yeah, it was owned by someone else. So I, I, I looked at it and it looked like it was not very active or not actively being developed. And the person that owned it, uh, he, was, he was in fact doing different things. And so I just asked him, like, what would it take for me to take this over? And we came to an agreement. Yeah, very cool. Well, so for, uh, for viewers and listeners that may not be familiar with Remote, um, can you give an overview of, of you know, you, you set it up a bit in terms of why you founded the company, but um, what do you do? Uh, how many employees you have? How the kind of business is structured? That would be, uh, that would be great context. Yeah, so Remote, and, and so the website is remote.com. What we fundamentally solve is international payroll, employment, benefits, taxes, and compliance. So in other words, if you want to hire someone in another country, you come to us and we solve that for you. We do payroll, we take care of the benefits, etc. You just pay us and we take care of everything else. And as a company, we grew really, really fast. So we, got, we were founded in early 2019, opened the doors to customers only May last year or so, so May 2020. And at the time, we had maybe 15 employees internally. Today, we are between three and 400 employees internally. Um, we've raised 200, almost 200 million in, in venture capital and we have thousands of customers. So and we're operating in now about 50 different countries with the goal being in every country in the world by the end of next year. Yeah, well, that is uh, that is significant growth. Uh, you know, that, <laughs> I'll insert uh, you know, rocket ship analogy. Um, you know, when you, uh, so you mentioned uh, about 50 countries represented, you mean you have uh, employees, um, remote employees who are based in 50 different countries today? Yes, but also we have activities like we can hire people and provide payroll and benefits in about 50 different countries and quickly expanding. And to do that, we have to do a lot of work. So we don't work with third parties. We set up our own entities in every country. This is really, really difficult. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, but we believe that gives us an, you know, an edge over anybody else doing similar kind of things. I definitely want to spend some time talking with you about async uh, communication and collaboration. But before we get to async, I want to talk a bit about synchronous, uh, you know, coordination. So obviously with employees across all those different countries, those different time zones, how do you, how do you think about synchronous work within remote? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to address both things at the same time, right? Asynchronous and synchronous work. Um, the way we set up the company is that async is the default way of doing things right so your work lives on the internet in 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 in, in appropriate context right if you're a designer your work lives mostly in figma and that's where you have your discussions and that's how you collaborate with each other there's two sides of this right one is like as an organization you want to make sure that people bond with each other and doing that synchronously is one of the best ways to do that right like it's one of the most natural ways in other words talking with each other or like playing games together and so we use it for that a lot and like that is like one of the best ways to spend like your points on like zoom calls or whatever other ways you synchronously communicate or even get together but also like in a purely like collaborative setting if you have many back and forth 
and or if you feel like it, which is like something that I don't hear people say enough, which is sometimes it's nice to just work together synchronously, not because it's necessary, not because the work is necessarily better or because you're more efficient, but it's nice. Sometimes it's nice to be with someone else, to be social or to talk with each other or work on something together. Those are great ways and, and great reasons to, to work synchronously. Now, there's many restrictions to it, which is why async is a default. We have people in 50 different countries, so a lot of different time zones, uh, and that can make it very hard to do things synchronously. But that said, we, uh, you know, we try to spend that time on like, connecting with each other as much as we can. Let's get into some of those kind of async defaults because I think you know we're in we're we're in this period of transition, right? Uh, that we that we continue to be, and I think a lot of companies that uh, were co-located shifted either to remote or hybrid. Um, you know, for the most part, they're still operating under their operating systems uh, that they were as co-located. So they're doing the same things; they're just doing them digitally. Uh, by default, we're still meeting cultures for the most part. Uh, you know, our calendars are horrendous for that reason, because we haven't learned how to embrace async effectively. So like, what are some async habits within remote, um, you know, rituals, kind of parts of your async operating system that, that are particularly effective that, that others might be able to learn from and try to bring into their own organizations? Yeah, I think the, tr the, the trick is to have like really strong principles about what asynchronous work means and how it works, right? And, and then the tools and, uh, and the exact processes don't really matter. And those principles are async is the default, but also every piece of information has a single source of truth, right? So there's one place where a particular type of information lives. And that depends on what the information is. So we have a company handbook that's in Notion that anybody can edit. And so company processes, company culture-related things, they're all in the handbook. Actually, part of it is public, handbook.remote.com, and anybody can read it there. But also, for example, if you are an engineer, you do your work inside of GitLab. And so if you are going to have a discussion about like how do we address this thing, you don't do it in Slack. Slack like, is not the real asynchronous tool. Uh, you don't you know, do it anywhere else. You do it in the place, in the correct context. So in an issue in GitLab, for example, or on a merge request on, on GitLab. And that is where the single source of truth of information lies. And so if you and I are having a discussion about, well, should we change the code base in a certain way, in person or over Zoom or whatever else, then it is our duty to then summarize that discussion and the conclusion into that place, into that single source of truth, so that you don't create a situation in which there's information that lives outside of GitLab, right? Like the idea of asynchronous work is that it is 100% accessible to others. And it means that there cannot be any information that is crucial to whatever we're working on that lives either only in my head or between us because we discussed it and never wrote it down. And that's basically it. Like it's, I always like to summarize it with write stuff down. Like that's, that's it. No, but it's a good point. I mean, I think right now, you know, we're accustomed to Slack, email, text messages, uh, you know, uh, you know, GitLab, whatever tools we're using and stuff lives everywhere. And especially in a remote and distributed environment, you know, that can be really hard to find and difficult to kind of come back to when you're trying, especially as new people who maybe you're pulling into that project who don't have that historical context of what's happening and they don't know where to find it. Um, you know, you looking at, so the, so you kind of launched to customers in May of last year, um, obviously pandemic, you know, hits hard globally, March of last year, everybody's remote. Like, what was that experience like? Like you're, you're just building a product 
Uh, you've been working on it for about a year, finally goes live. It just, oh, happens to be during a, a global pandemic when now, you know, hundreds, thousands of companies around the world who did not have remote practices now do. What was the experience like kind of being a CEO in an environment? What was, you know, just I'd love to get a sense like behind the curtain of just how that was for you, you know, in the moment where you launched at a time of such great awareness and need for remote practices and support. Like, I think on one end, you know, I was also in a pandemic, like it was and is and continues to be very horrible for many, many people. And so this is really weird state in which we have a company that goes extremely fast, right? We've been growing extremely fast. And even today, this is still accelerating. The amount of people we hire, both internally, but also externally for, for customers, increases significantly week by week. It's literally like a rocket ship, you know, where you turn on the boosters and you cannot turn them off anymore until the fuel is over. And that's that's really how it feels. Like, to me, it's it still feels like I'm in that same takeoff and, and continuously accelerating. I'm still in there. I'm still in there. Like, it's it is to me, it, it's one block of time since that moment because everything is continuously accelerating and growing, growing faster. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's very special. It's very weird. It feels very surreal. Uh, as I said, like we have, I think, close to 400 employees right now. I saw maybe 20 of them in person <laughs> and like, at all. That's that's really strange, right? Like, and we we had a sort of similar thing at GitLab, but we would come together every nine months, and so every nine months you would have like this like snapshot of the company where you have you you start to feel like oh this company, you know, it's a company of a certain size. I remember at GitLab we came together in 2015, I think, and in Amsterdam, and we were like 40 employees, and I was like, wow, this is a big company, and I, I remember like feeling like these are many people, and not all of them I will be able to get to know. Yeah, and, and remote is now 400 and I have no idea about it like I have no idea how, how many people is, is 400 people so it's, it's really absurd and yeah a weird experience a good one I mean for us for sure very lucky but yeah a weird experience hey everyone I'm excited to introduce you to the new Amplify Accelerator platform the Amplify and redefining HR ecosystem have evolved quite a bit over the last two years, starting with a podcast, growing to a book, and now leading to a full platform aimed at developing and supporting the next generation of chief people officers. You know, the mission of Amplify is accelerating innovation at scale, and we now do that through HR executive search services, cohort courses, communities, jobs, and media. That includes the podcast and the book. So you can check all of this out at AmplifyTalent.com. And now back to the show. Obviously, you work with a lot of companies who are making the transition you know, to remote who historically did not have remote employees. Now they do. Like, are there certain common mistakes that you find companies uh, who maybe were co-located and, and now are, you know, remote or hybrid or whatever construct? Um, do, do you identify certain any kind of recurring themes to, you know, things that they might be stumbling along the way in that journey? Yeah, I think the first thing, it's, it's also the meta thing that describes everything, is that if you start working remotely, you have to embrace it fully. And that means that you cannot replicate, like you suggested earlier, you cannot replicate the office environment in a remote environment because they are not comparable. If you and I go out for lunch and we spend two hours together, that's very comfortable. That's fine. We have a nice lunch. But if I ask you for a two-hour Zoom meeting, 
that's really long and neither of us is gonna really like that especially enough if it's not related to work or if there's no agenda just that difference by itself it defines the entire difference between the office and a remote organization and, and and culture that you have to build so you have to embrace it fully and so you already mentioned like always sitting in meetings nobody wants that but it's much easier in an office environment when there's much more leeway. You know, you're not that rigid within a computer. It's it's much more acceptable to walk out, to take breaks, etc. In a remote environment, you have to think differently about that. And I, I always the interesting thing I think is that if you take remote practices and you were to apply uh, apply them to like an office based culture, that office based culture would also be significantly more efficient. But in a remote environment, you don't have a choice. And so you have to embrace it fully. And it includes, you know, flexible schedules, like get away with rigid schedules. That includes, you know, asynchronous communication first. That includes, you know, having good documentation, writing things down. Again, things that make total sense in an office, but because communication in an office is so incredibly low threshold because you're always all together in the same space. So you, you can constantly ask each other questions and you cannot do that in a remote environment. And so you have to adopt all these practices. And so I think that's the main one. And I think like part of the problem is, for example, companies that say, well, I want to start working hybrid because I think that is the hardest thing possible because you have to ask of everybody in the office, no matter how they spend time in the office, like full-time, part-time, part of their day, whenever they feel like, no matter how they do that, they have to work as if they are remote and just treat the office like another working from home location, another remote location from which I work, rather than there's the office culture and the office team and there's the remote team because that that i think is the biggest risk because then you isolate the remote team they become like a second class employee and yeah well you you nailed on that because i think that that is you know the the ideal scenario for hybrid is your default is remote and the people who are in the office are just you know they're they're in the office but their work style is still remote i don't know that we're going to be great uh collectively at doing that i think that there's going to be a lot of pressure to kind of revert back to in-office tendencies and you're exactly right it's going to create two classes of employees. And I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on uh, HR and people teams specifically to guard against that uh, and push back on leadership who might want to revert back to a place that's more comfortable, uh, you know, to them. And so I think this transition period that we're in is going to continue to be a transition. I think we're, we're not really going to have, most companies aren't really going to settle on a set model until sometime in 2022. And even that might flex, but it's interesting because I think you have uh, reports I've seen lately of, you know, CEOs and kind of executive teams may have one perspective around returning to office. Employees have a very different perspective. And so um, it's going to be interesting. I think the companies that are, are trying to rush back to an office-based culture are going to feel some pain um, in terms of uh, turnover and engagement and just all the things around kind of employee sentiments. And some employees, of course, want to go back in office, desperate to go back in office. You know, I think the key is um, trying to provide choice uh, and flexibility there. Um, one, you know, you had a, uh, you did an AMA recently on indie hackers. And uh, one of the questions that you uh, uh, were asked was around onboarding uh, remote talent. And you mentioned that all new hires get an Oculus Quest 2 and that you've, you know, you've created some programs in, in virtual reality to bring people together. Tell me more about that. Like, how do you, how are you using VR right now as a, as a kind of culture building and engagement tool? It's a fun thing. That's it. Like, I don't want to make something big out of it that it is not. Like, we, yes, we do. Everybody gets a, an, an Oculus Quest 2 when they, uh, when they join remote, uh, which is kind of a pain to actually ship to people. Uh, <laughs> but like, we, we sort of figured that out now. Uh, but everybody gets one. Um, but it's, it's just for fun. Like, 
as a remote organization, you need to be very explicit about how do I make sure that people connect with each other and, and, and give them many, many tools. And like one of these VR headsets is not very expensive relative to like the salary of a person. So like financially, it's okay to spend that amount to make sure that there's just one other way for people to have fun together and to spend time together. And there are many great apps and games and now facebook released a new uh way to like have virtual meetings and they are getting better and better and i i do believe there's like a real future in that i think today you know you really have to go out of your way to make it useful and so we don't like we don't make it useful it's a nice thing you get and you can connect easily with your colleagues with that and that's fun in of itself and that's sufficient like and that that is exactly the role that it serves it's, we don't do anything magical with it is you know, people self-organize and then whenever there's an opportunity to do something special like we did uh, with Christmas, we had a little Christmas party in VR. That's really nice. Like you can actually very easily, like we have like a little remote room and we all get together there. Um, it said the company was one-fifth the size it is now so i don't know how it's gonna, You're scale. gonna need a bigger virtual room uh this year <laughs> yeah i know i think we're running into all sorts of uh problems there but uh, you know it's just it's just a nice thing and it, there is a really big future for vr and ar especially in connecting people there otherwise very hard to get together for now that's still really really early but i want to be there i want to be there at the beginning and so this is the little bit i can do and then i if you think like what does <laughs> what does a founder and CEO of a company like put their little personality in it? This is m like one of m the ways that I did it because I'm very excited by this technology. I think it works really really well, um, and so you know I I get to introduce a few more people to that. Well, let's talk a bit about you know culture. Um, I think one of the big uh, you know for people who are maybe detractors on remote or maybe are struggling with the transition to remote or hybrid, you know, one of the recurring themes you hear a lot about is um, the challenge of, of building culture in a remote environment. And, uh, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that. You know, how do you, uh, as a CEO, how do you think about, obviously, you, you know, kind of came from GitLab, went through the growth period there entirely remote, you're building something entirely remote. So you've gone from 15 employees to over 400 employees in less than two years. Um, how do you think about kind of being intentional in, in culture building in a fully distributed organization? The way we addressed it, which I don't necessarily believe is like the ultimate way, but I do think it's a really good one, is to start with strong foundations. And foundations for culture can be values. And so we have a clear mission that we we hope to achieve, and then we have clear values, uh, kindness, ownership, excellence, transparency, and ambition. And so we try to do everything according to those values. And it's quite a few, and, and they all have their own role to play in how we think about you know, building a culture that aligns with what we believe is, is, is a great place to work at, right? And so kindness is the first one. I think that, you know, if you have a workplace, it's work. It's not life. Work is just the facet of your life. And so it shouldn't be a stressful thing. We're all here to do the same thing, which is to make money primarily. That's why we work. We make money so we can support ourselves and our loved ones. And so it shouldn't be stressful because we all have to do that. Like we all have to make money to, and then, and secondly, we want to do things that, you know, empower us, that we're proud of, that we enjoy doing. And so if you have those values, one, it allows you to attract people that align themselves with that. And two, it gives you a foundation upon which you can say, well, this is what we, you know, think is like the right kind of behavior, the right kind of attitude, the right kind of way to be in the organization. Uh, and that lives up to, to our culture. And so, you know, if we talk about, you know, the work that we do or like the products that we built, we think about our value of excellence, 
right? We want to build excellent product. We don't want to build things that don't work well or unreliable or just not great. And so when we talk about, well, we should improve this because we feel it's not excellent. That's like a really easy way to talk about things. Transparency is another one where we feel like I tend to, and I do my best to overshare anything that I feel like, should I make this public or internally or not? I always share and I always make transparent because that creates a company culture where, you know, you can be very held accountable, but also creates a lot of trust with everybody. You know, everybody at remote knows exactly, you know, as a random example, right? And there, this goes through everything, but everybody at remote at any moment in time knows exactly how much money we have on the bank, how many deals we have, how many, um, what our re exact revenue number is, you know, almost up to the single dollar amount. Uh, etc. And like those are basics, but that helps establish a particular company culture that then you can say, well, this is how I expect people to run their own teams and build their departments and, you know, do their own thing. Because as a company grows, you know, in small companies, very easy. Like you just, you're just you and the founder and the leader of whatever. And you can address every single thing. You can see everything. But the moment your company has like two layers of hierarchy, you know, you have a director and a manager and then a report. And it's gone. You don't. You can't control it anymore. And so you have to have this foundation upon which you can say, well, this is how we expect people to be, how we expect people to behave. That's how we do it. And then beyond that, you know, you want to create connections between people. You want to make sure that people get along. And to do that, you have to spend time on that. You have to make time for that. And so, yeah, and we do that through things like the VR thing and a thousand other ways. Well, let's, uh, one more question I want to ask before we jump into our, uh, our our lightning round. I always kind of close each episode with to help listeners and viewers, you know, get to know the guests a bit better. Um, let's talk about HR and kind of people ops for a moment. You know, obviously you you came from GitLab, fully distributed environment. You're building a fully distributed company. What what do you look for in HR leaders, in people leaders um, that that allow them to successfully kind of support employees growth and culture in a distributed environment like how do you what what, what is your what is your kind of uh, barometer for great hr and people operations everybody would say that you have to be highly empathic i think i think being kind is is, is you know again it aligns with our values um and and just being someone that takes ownership of things and make things happen like default to action i think is the best property especially if you think about people roles uh, it gives immense trust in the people that you work with if you can show them that whatever they come to you with, that you actually do something with that, whatever that might be. For example, we run this internal people a survey. Uh, we run it every quarter to you know get an idea of like how people feel in the organization. And we try to be very transparent about the outcomes of that. And actually we published on Twitter something about it that you know, out of five, we scored 4.83 on belonging across all employees at the company. And those are the kind of things that really set you apart as a as someone in the people organization by being transparent, which is traditionally, you know, has been seen as like a scary close of organization. So if you do that well, and if you're able to balance that, that's really cool. Well, uh, you know, this has been great learning about um, what you're building at Remote. Uh, I, I feel like at the rate you're growing, we're going to have to do a part two on this in about a year because it probably will be a very different company at that point. But uh, we close every episode with a lightning round uh, just to help the listeners and viewers get to know you a little bit better. So uh, let's jump right into that. If you want to keep keep your answers to a round, uh, you know, a sentence, and uh, we'll just drill through a few of these. Um, I'm a big music uh, fan. I'm checking out your Spotify playlist. Uh, who, who am I going to learn to your top three artists? Uh, Radiohead with a large margin back 
And then because my Spotify account is shared throughout the house, it's going to be the Frozen 2 soundtrack because uh, my daughter listens to that uh, several times daily. Uh, I think I have that entire soundtrack committed to memory at this point. We've uh, my my daughters are a little older, so we've moved on to Vivo, which is uh, uh, actually a really good Netflix uh, animated by uh, Lin Manuel. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate the uh, the crossover on the Spotify playlist. Um, what is your least favorite business buzzword? Well, it's not a business buzzword. When when but when people say double click on that, <laughs> that's very funny. Um, and the one that is always ringing in my in my mind, especially after the Lonely Island song about it, is synergy. <laughs> Whenever someone says oh, synergy, yeah, I hear yeah. I hear one of the Lonely Island guys say synergy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, shout out to Lonely Island. That was uh, this this might be the first Lonely Island plug in the podcast. <laughs> and I, I'm I'm here for it. I'm a huge fan. Um, what if you weren't uh, you know the the CEO of Remote? Uh, what would you be doing? Uh, I think I would be building another company. I mean, and the things I'm interested in are making large changes to the world. Um, and I would probably, especially today, I would want to do something related to, you know, this modern space race, which I think is really exciting. I wouldn't know exactly what. If it wasn't for that, I would also be happy just being a dad and like being a stay-at-home dad and just cooking and taking care of my kids. But I, I, I have too much energy, I think, for that. <laughs> Uh, and last question for you: uh, Who is one business leader you admire, and why? Yeah, it's uh, I. You know, I, I think the Collison brothers uh, that founded and, and lead uh, Stripe. Uh, either either which one, <laughs> um, they did an amazing job building that company, and and everything that comes out of that is is really excellent, uh, and not just excellent in like the product, but also excellent in, for example, design. And I think very few companies, especially at scale, care about design. I care about it very greatly. Um, uh, and of course, I look up to Apple, but I don't necessarily look up to the leadership at Apple, but um, but I do look up to the leadership at Stripe. Yeah. Well, Ayo, thanks so much for coming on the uh, podcast, sharing your uh, career journey and what you're building at Remote. And um, yeah, looking forward to keep following uh, and tracking what you're building. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.